Welcome to the Trinity Chapel Austin podcast. To learn more about TCA, visit us at trinitychapelaustin.org. Chapter 11 of Luke, verses 1 through 11. I will be reading in the NIV translation. You can follow along on the screens or um, in your Bible. Jesus is teaching on prayer. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Oh, yes. Father God, Hallelujah. be with us as we continue yes, Lord. and give us shameless audacity. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody say shameless audacity. Man, I wish I had made that the title today. That would have been good. (laughs) Shameless audacity. (laughs) Let me finish reading verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Hallelujah. Shameless audacity. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Y'all remember this song right here? Jesus loves me. Let's sing it. Let's sing it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Friends, if you hear nothing else today, hear this. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've gone through, no matter how far away from him you think you are, take this away. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus loves you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Do y'all remember this thing? I remember getting this sticker here. <laughs> Smile, Jesus loves you. When you really get it, 
It's like sunshine, man. Like your dress. Oh, yeah. It's like bright. It's like, man, you feel that love. Jesus loves you. Oh, if we could but remember that Jesus loves me. The title of today's message is Pray, Jesus Loves Me. Pray, Jesus Loves Me. The most beautiful picture of Christ's love can be seen right here when he teaches his disciples to pray. We all know what prayer is. It is a conversation, right? It is this dialogue with the creator, the very creator of the universe. If you have said yes to Jesus, when was it that God chose you? That's a question that you can answer. When did God choose you? Before the foundations of the earth. Before the foundations of all existence. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. If that doesn't make you smile, if that doesn't cause you to feel the love of Christ, oh, yes. then you haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> Seriously, think about it. Now, Jesus in this moment, he teaches his disciples to pray. And as has been pointed out, the beautiful start of this prayer is different than uh, what we read in Matthew. Matthew, remember, is very formulaic. Uh, when Matt, Matthew is, wrote his gospel in order to uh, speak to the Jews, in order to show them how Christ was the Messiah. Remember, Luke wrote this gospel to the world, to the Greek community primarily, to show them how Jesus was the king. The human king, the human God who came to set us free. So as the gospel goes, it goes across a bridge. And we build that bridge specifically towards the community that we're speaking to. Now the way that the, uh, that the Hebrews prayed, the way that the Jews prayed, was very set apart from God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallelujah. Thy kingdom come. And so that's what you get in Matthew. Now what you get here in Luke... Even though it says father, when you look at it in the Greek, it's, it's daddy. It, it, it's pater uh, in Greek, uh, which is like dad. It's what, a kid, it's what a baby or it's what a child calls their father. Um, or Abba, Abba in Aramaic. And so Abba, so, so it, it, Luke is showing up. And obviously it's very clear as well that Jesus taught this prayer more than once when you, look, when you compare the different prayers. Uh, and so, at this point, he is teaching his disciples to pray, and he tells them the most beautiful thing of all, oh, yeah. that you can come to the Father yes. just as a child comes to their parent. Hallelujah. Yes. Is that how you pray? Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Do you pray with that type of uh, connection? Yes. And maybe your earthly father wasn't a good model. But God the Father is. God is good. And all the time, He is good. So Jesus presents us with this intimacy. This very basic language of Daddy. Daddy, that's where it starts at, just this connection, Daddy. 
hallowed be your name, or holy, set apart be your name, your kingdom come. You know, when I first started to put together this message, I thought that I was going to um, present another formula for prayer. Um, I've been reading this great book right here from like the 1980s, as you can see. It's called Could You Not Tarry One Hour? Um, I've got a gigantic uh, bookshelf in my living room that's got tons of books on it. And sometimes I just look at the bookshelf and grab something off. And this is, this is a book that I grabbed off one day and looked at it and was like, oh, I don't want to read this. And then I opened it. And uh, it's just it's been powerful. It's been powerful. Yeah, yeah. And basically what it is, it's a formula for, uh, uh, it's a way of praying. If you've gotten a chance to come to prayer night that we have on Tuesday nights for this past season, the, the, we've been using this method of prayer. We pray for an hour, and the, the prayer time is split up into uh, 12 five-minute segments, with each five-minute segment focusing on a different type of prayer. Hallelujah. You know, there's different types of prayers for different occasions. And, as, and today, I'm not going to go through a formula for prayer at all. God took this thing in, a, in, in actually a, a totally different direction. Because something I learned while studying this and while praying, I, I got this burden to say, God, teach me how to pray. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that there were at least 12 disciples sitting right there with Jesus, and only one of them said, Jesus, teach, teach me how to pray? Why do you think that was? Luke makes the point here, as does Matthew, that there was one who was bold enough to ask. Yes. And I think boldness is it's what it hinges on right there, really. More specifically, I think what it hinges on, let me ask you this question. What is our barrier to the love of God? What is our barrier to the love of God? And I know this question it seems a bit uh, in a vacuum right now, but I'll tell you the answer. It's fear. It's fear. I mean, these disciples saw Jesus, as, Jesus praying all the time. We're like in Luke chapter 11, and this is the fifth time that Jesus is specifically mentioned as praying. And he's always going away to pray. He's continually setting an example for us as followers. Exactly. And these are just the times that are mentioned in the scriptures, right? So he, he continually prays. He prays without ceasing because he's in a constant dialogue with his father. And at specific moments, he has to get away. At specific moments, he has to pray specific ways. But I think that the primary barrier, and I know this is the barrier for me as I began to study this, it's fear. Why did the other 11 or the other 119 disciples that might have been there while Jesus was teaching them how to pray, why hadn't any of them asked this question? I think they were afraid. They were either afraid of what God would say back. I don't know about you, but as a young person, I remember being afraid to say, 
okay, God, what do you want me to do? Oh, yeah. Because we're afraid that he's going to tell us to do something we don't want to do, right? (laughs) That he's going to uh, say, go be a missionary in Tasmania. Right, yeah. Go sell all your possessions. Wow. Yeah. I think we're afraid. We're, 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 we, we have this fear that becomes a barrier to actually communing with God. Yes. To, to know God's love is to have communication with him, and that is prayer. Prayer is the conduit through which we experience God, through which we know love. And fear stops us from praying. We're afraid of what we might hear. Or we're afraid we're going to say something in the wrong way. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you end every one of your prayers by saying, if your will be done? Think about it for a second. You know, some, at some point along the way, somebody taught me, or I picked up, that I should end all of my prayers with, thy will be done. That's wrong. That's wrong. You you know, we see Jesus in the garden, right? He's about to be crucified. He doesn't want to be crucified. And what does he pray? He prays a prayer of consecration. He says, God, let this, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So consecration is a valid form of prayer. I'm not saying that we're not supposed to pray like that. But that is a specific form of prayer for a specific season. We don't end all of our prayers with thy will be done because God's will is here in the Bible and he has said his will over and over again on different situations. So sometimes we don't need to say thy will be done. What is God's will about people perishing? Right. His desire is that none should perish. Right? That all should come to a saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. So a lot of times we go into a situation where we're we're supposed to pray. And we're afraid to pray prayers of power. We're afraid to pray for someone's healing, for example. And now, hear me, guys. I've been doing this for a long time, saying, I pray for your healing in Jesus' name. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but God's will be done. Um, Hallelujah. that cuts off the power of prayer yes. the power of God's work have the you have the authority right God has given you that authority yes. and this is, not, this is not about taking God's place this is about stepping into the authority of a son of the most high God of a daughter of the king do you realize that's who you are and with yes. that authority walking in God's will He specifically says, my will is that you set the captives free, that you carry this good news to set people free, to heal the sick. And so really the key when we pray is to be led by the Spirit. One pastor talked about how some people will go into a hospital to pray for somebody and they'll start casting out a demon. Because that's how they always pray. 
Another person will go into a hospital starting to pray for somebody, and they'll pray for healing because that's how they always pray. The question is, does this person need to be relieved from spiritual oppression and therefore needs a prayer of uh, casting out? Or is it a genuine medical need and the prayer of healing is what is necessary? So there are specific prayers for specific occasions. And until we are led by the Spirit, we don't know how to pray. And so, so sadly enough, I think often we cut our prayers off because we don't know what to say or how to pray. And it's because we haven't prayed enough. It's because we haven't prayed enough. It's because we haven't come to this place where we are so led by the Spirit that we can know in a moment, okay. Well, and some of it might just be training, right? Like what I was saying. Like I was taught to pray a prayer of consecration at every prayer. But we see Jesus when he prays. Look how Jesus prayed. There were different prayers for different occasions. When it, the, the prayer that I talked about where Jesus talked about uh, uh, the, the, the oneness of the, of the body. Father God, let my disciples be one as you are one. That was a prayer of intercession. God was interceding in that moment. That was a very different prayer than a prayer of consecration. That was a di- different prayer than a prayer of supplication. So there are a lot of different forms of prayer, and as we go along, we'll you know start to learn these. Some of us are just refreshing our memory. But ultimately what I want to get at today is this primary barrier, which is fear. You know, because we know about love, right? We've heard about love, that, you know, the, the word love in the English language is completely insufficient for describing what love actually is. And C.S. Lewis wrote an amazing book called The Four Loves, where he outlines the four loves. Agape love, which is that unadulterated, holy love that comes from the Father. It's love with no strings attached. That's agape love. And then storge love. Storge love is that uh, love between a parent and a child. It's that motherly, fatherly, and child. It's that familiar love, that that family love. And then we learn, and then we know about eros, which is that uh, that intimate, physio spiritual love between a husband and a wife. Eros, eros, and then uh, phileo. Phileo is that brotherly love. Y'all know all these, right? Those are the four Greek words used for love in the New Testament. Yet we in English just use one. And so, knowing the type of love that we are called to give in a certain situation is helpful. It's clarifying. But today we're not looking at love. Today we're looking at fear. Do we know fear? We might know love, but do we know fear? Everyone say, Eulabaya. Eulabaya. Yeah, Eulabaya. So Eulabaya, this fear is godly fear, reverence, and awe. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So the Greek word used in that, po- in that point is, is eulabia, and that is godly fear. Also in Luke 2.25, the same, the same uh, Greek word is used. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. So the word devout there 
is that is that word for fear, is holy fear, is the yeah. same word eulabia that's used in the Greek. There's also the word delilia, delia, delia. Everyone say delia. delia. It's timidity or faithfulness, faithless, faithlessness, faithless. When you're faithless or you're timid, that is a type of fear, right? What do we call what is what is what does people often call Timothy in the Bible? Timothy, the 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 uh, the young pastor who Paul talked to. Remember, if you don't have this verse memorized, memorize it. God has not given me a spirit of yes, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Right. So the word here, God has not given me a spirit of fear. In some translations, you'll actually see they won't use the word fear. They use the word timidity because it's actually a different Greek word. It's this word delia, delia, which is timidity, which is timidity. This is the same thing that when Jesus, he said, and he's in Mark 4.39, and he saith unto them, Why are you fearful, ye of little faith? And he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So in that moment when the disciples were terrified by the storm, it was this type of fear. It was timidity. It was that uh, fear that kind of freezes you, right? Where you get stuck. And then the third fear that is used is phobos. And everyone's probably familiar with this word phobos from phobia. If you have any type of phobia, <laughs> who has a phobia? Anybody have a phobia? Does anyone have arachnophobia? What's your phobia? Arachnophobia? Fear of spiders? <laughs> yes. So pho- phobia, and, and, what, and when you see a spider or a snake, what do you feel? Terrified. Terror. Terror. That is, that is what phobos means. It's terror. It's fright. It's this place of, the word actually means to flee, you know. When you talk about that amygdala response, and you talk about fight, flight, or freeze, that previous Greek word that we were talking about, delia, delia is kind of that freeze, this is that flight. It's like, uh-uh, I'm not freezing. I'm flying. I'm running. This is sheer terror. This is like, if you do not run, you're going to die kind of terror. That, that's phobos. That's phobos. In Hebrews 10.31, we see it's a fearful thing. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. <laughs> that's the, the Greek word that is used there is phobos. Fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. And in Matthew 10.31, fear ye not, therefore... You're not more valuable than sparrows. Again, Jesus is exhorting his disciples, don't have that erratic fear that causes you terror. Because God's got you. And then in Matthew 14, 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. So again, again, these disciples in the boat, when they saw Jesus walking, they freaked out they thought it was a ghost they were literally terrified to their core <laughs> and uh so phobo so so these three fears these three greek fears how can they help us eulabia delia and phobos well they can't help us <laughs> except the one right the good one the first one that holy fear if we truly know that holy fear, that first one, then we're on the right track. Then we're getting somewhere. Yes. But what about the timidity, the faithless, the terror, and the fright? Well, here's the answer. It's smile. Jesus loves you. <laughs> it is. The fear of the Lord is being around. The fear of the Lord is strength. Yes. Right? 
I know, it's easy to say. Well, just remember that Jesus loves you. But I actually think that is the point. I actually think that is why we are afraid. Why do you make, think back, close your eyes for a second, think back to the last decision that you made, any decision, and ask yourself whether you made that decision out of fear or faith. Think back to the last major decision you made where you didn't know which way to go. Did you make that decision out of fear or out of faith? Because the answer to that question will determine how much or how little you are remembering the fact that Jesus loves you. You are remembering the fact that you are in community, in communion with the God of the universe. And you need not fear. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, Jesus loves you. So let me make this just very tactile. In Joshua 4, we read this. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark, the Lord of your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. He will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing, and they are there to this day. Now that was, you know, in that day when when the book of Joshua was written. What was this that they were setting up? Does anybody know? What do we call this thing that they set up? Memorial. Memorial. Covenant. Covenant. So this thing that they set up, this, this memorial, it was an altar. It was an altar. It was one of the first forms of altars. Specifically, it was an Ebenezer. Eldon, what's that song? The old song. It says something about Ebenezer. There's, a, yeah, there's this old hymn that used to have that word in it. Ebenezer. And... It was always weird. Like, why did they put the Grinch, the Scrooge, the Scrooge? Why did they put the Scrooge in this song? Why are, they, why are we singing about Ebenezer? Well, maybe Ellen will think of that old song. But that, that old song, Ebenezer, talks about raising, raising an Ebenezer. This is an Ebenezer. This is an Ebenezer. An Ebenezer is a memorial altar. It, is, it, it was a place. They built these 12 stones up as a point of remembrance. Remember, we started this year in the book of Luke, and we had the picture hanging out there for a long time, and the first part of the the first series was called To the Jordan, right? To the Jordan. Why do we go to the Jordan? 
We go there to be empowered by the Spirit, right? We go there to be baptized, to be empowered by the Spirit. We go there to remember in this case, to remember. So whenever things got bad, what is it? Come thou fount. Man, we've been, sing- we've been singing that at prayer. Come thou fount. But they don't have that verse in it. Come thou fount. Come thou fount. I don't, I don't know if y'all know that old school song. But it talks about an Ebenezer in there. It talks about raising an Ebenezer. And this is an Ebenezer. It is a, it is a monument of remembrance. And so what would happen when the Israelites got into the promised land and began to be attacked? They began to forget what God had done for them. Oh, yes. What would they do? Go back to that Ebenezer. Go back. And for generations on, they would take their kids. You see this point right here? God parted those very waters. There was no way we were going to cross. We were outside on the other side. And we were not able to get across. But God miraculously parted these very waters. So we have set up this monument of remembrance. Hallelujah. So my question to you today... What is your Ebenezer? That fear that you're dealing with that is a barrier to your communication with God can be overcome if you go back to that Ebenezer. If you go back to that point where God did something and you are undeniably sure that He was there, that He was in it. Two years ago, you know the story. If you don't, I'll make it brief. God said, come back to Trinity Chapel. (laughs) Now, I started to come back, but I still didn't feel like, oh, the timing just doesn't feel right. I mean, and at this point, I was about to finish seminary, and so I knew I was going to be going into full-time ministry, period. That's what God has called me into, and I knew that that was my trajectory. And so I was looking. I was searching. I went and I I went on interviews and had the potential to have a amazing job making a hundred grand a year as a youth director a hundred grand a year as a youth director oh man so (laughs) um but god said no and i was like well god you called me back to trinity and you're not doing anything that's what i told him and he, he gave me this dream go back and stay strong no matter what and so I remember after having that dream, uh, that was like on a, I don't know, a Thursday or a Friday. Um, and we had been coming. This was 2019. We had been coming, and, and I was preaching for Pastor Clearman at that point. Um, and when I came that Sunday, the bishop was here. And I hadn't seen him in 15, well, the last time I saw him, he wasn't the bishop. <laughs> And God had called him here to preach a message. And he ended up preaching a message that morning about moving forward, about the time is now. God has called you to this. Stick to it. Have you ever had that moment where you know God was speaking? I mean, think about this, guys. God gave me this dream and then tells the bishop to go to Trinity Chapel and preach. Two people who haven't talked and talked or seen each other or been in the same circles, and we end up at the same place at the same time, hearing the same message from God. Hallelujah. That, my friends, is an Ebenezer. Oh, yeah. 
Right back there where Ildin is sitting, I have built an Ebenezer, stone by stone. Anytime I experience fear, anytime I experience a paralysis, we talked this morning about analysis paralysis, not knowing what God's will is, not knowing what's next, not knowing what's to do. I go back to that moment. Guys, you've, you've heard from God. Yes. You have heard from him. Don't doubt yourself. Go back to those moments when you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was speaking to you. The word Ebenezer is a Hebrew word that means a stone of help. Everyone say a stone of help. Stone of help. Your barrier to prayer can be overcome when you build an Ebenezer or when you go back to those Ebenezers that restore to you the joy of his salvation. In other words, the point when he called you out, when he set you free, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. This I know. Jesus loves you. Let me read this poem as we close here. I've been here before. My heart feels so weak. Got this weight upon my chest. And I can't stop forgetting. My God, that you've never left. You're right here with me. Still, I'm convinced you're hiding. Oh God, would you remind me that you're still just as good as when I met you. You're still just as kind. Don't let me forget that you're still the same God that led me through the fire. You're still the same God who separates the waters. Come do what you can do. God, I need you. You've done this before. You will do it again. Because the waves are all around me and it feels like I'm drowning. My God, will you still reach down and give me your hand? Because even when I'm doubting, your love, it still surrounds me. And you're still just as good as when I met you. You're still just as kind. Don't let me forget that you're still the same God that led me through the fire. You're still the same God who separates the waters. Come do what only you can do. Now I will build an altar and stack it stone by stone. Because every Ebenezer says, I've never been alone. My faith will surely falter, but that don't change what you've done. Because every Ebenezer points to where my help comes from. Oh, every Ebenezer points to where my help comes from. Stand with me this morning. And let's close in singing this song. You know, you might be dealing with fear. You might not know what's next. But I tell you this, Jesus loves you. God has got you. I challenge you in this week to overcome fear. Whether it's a fear of timidity or it's this fear that just paralyzes you. And the way that you overcome it is by getting back into contact with the Father. It's by being reminded of what He's done for you. It's those moments when you feel that He's gone. Remember I talked about that passage in Solomon, in the Song of Solomon, where the lover comes and knocks on the door, and then she gets up and goes to open the door, and he's not there, and she runs all through the city searching for you. My lover, where are you? Where are you? God does that, guys. He does that when he wants your roots to grow deeper. He does that when he wants your faith to grow. He does that when he wants you to go deep and get big in him. Do you understand? To rediscover the joy of his salvation. To cause that faith to begin to blossom again so that you become fruitful. 
Go back to that Ebenezer. Go back to those moments. Go back to that place. The lyrics will be up here. If you don't know this song. Thank you for hearing today. Visit us at trinitychapelaustin.org to see what we're up to in your neighborhood. Be fruitful, my friend. Be fruitful.